0: What's up, Marvelites, and welcome back to another episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. This is episode 48. Woo! 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 My name is Aaron, and I'll be your host for this episode, alongside me, Charles. What's up? Angel? Hello. It's a big MCU week once again, as WandaVision has already reached its end, sadly. But we have mm-hmm. still have a one, one, one episode, one like, making of WandaVision episode <laughs> this upcoming week. But we also have a slew of... Breaking news for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's get right to it. First up is we have our first news over for the, you know, the X-Men for the MCU, the reboot. It's it's currently underway and a new rumor from The Illuminati has arrived. An exclusive scoop from The Illuminati has revealed the first post-Fox merger X-Men movie is currently in the works at Marvel Studios. The MCU debut of The Mutants is currently being produced as a feature film reboot of the X-Men franchise, and the project is reportedly being developed under Marvel CEO Kevin Feige with the working title of, drumroll please, The Mutants. <laughs> the Mutants. So yeah, The Mutants. And as of right now, no further details are currently known regarding the highly anticipated project. However, fans can more than likely, the term likely, expect the film to release after the currently announced slate up through 2023. The Mutants! They're veering away from the X-Men title. Charles, what do you think of this news?
1: Uh, It's expected. What, I'm, what I wasn't expecting was the, the title. Mm-hmm. It's still something that has to grow on me. Currently, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of not feeling it because The Mutants feels like... It feels like less about the X-Men and just more about Mutants in general. And yeah. I was hoping that the the mutants would have at least a more OG first class X Men focus. So I am curious what the uh, the line of thinking here is with introducing the mutants. But I, I I feel like Kevin Feige also wants the the name mutant to be something that will be like in the general mm. vocabulary. Like when you think of mutants, you think of oh wow X Men these characters in Marvel. I think that's what they're that that's what they want with this. But who knows? But uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for it to grow in me, at least.
0: Yeah, it's a unique title. It's a first time because, you know, it's at MCU and we don't know what to expect for this because it's years ahead. And uh, Joe, how about you? What do you think about this working
2: title for the X-Men reboot? Uh, you know, to some degree, we've gotten so used to saying X-Men that it's quite a surprise and a departure, especially if they do stick with this title for the film. Uh, to some degree, what I do find interesting is that the mutants, I think, was the original name for the X-Men uh, in a story that Stan Lee told is that that was his original pitch for the characters mm. before someone said no one's going to get that. And so he changed it to X-Men, which he he funnily would point out. is like, how would people know what the X-Men are but not the mutants? Um, <laughs> I, I I think it's a – like, the thing is for me is, like, is this going to be a – uh spider-man home situation where like they'll then add the x-men or, or something to the title that that could be an interesting approach to do it so like these are the the mutants before they become the x-men maybe they explore the history of the characters before we jump into modern day with them well established it, i i do see like in my personal opinion i think the x-men is such a it's it's better in a series format because there's just such a wide cast of characters I, I think, personally, I would love to see them make like a Harry Potter approach, like have an academy of some sorts. You know, the Xavier School is just like every season is a year in that school for young mutants. Then have the X-Men as like the big title films and stuff like that. I'm curious. They can really do so much with this franchise. And I'm really excited to see where they're going.
0: Yeah. And uh, imagine if the title will be, will be New Mutants. Joke.
2: <laughs> the new mutants, the current mutants, it's the also, existing mutants.
1: It's also worth remembering that, um, not all mutant-related teams are called the X Men. Mm-hmm. There's True. so yeah. many teams out there with mutants in them that aren't that, that that don't have anything to do with Professor X and his school. So I guess, in that regard, it makes sense to maybe just keep it the mutants first as a as, a, as an intro to the MCU.
0: Yeah. And it will be interesting to find out how Marvel Studios uh, connects this to the larger Avengers-filled world that we have right now, right? Yeah. Now, moving on to another uh, MCU property here is we're currently filming in Sydney, Australia, is Thor Love and Thunder. And in the past week, there have been a lot of set photos that have surfaced online, with even Taika Waititi acknowledging that in one photo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> apparently there's this uh, same scene that will happen Ah, uh, from Thor Ragnarok, the the play, like the play, scene where yeah. fake actors are there. We have it, It's gonna. I'm gonna do a rundown of what we saw in the past week, just to break it all down. First, look at Matt Damon as the as the low key actor. while well, Luke Hemsworth is the fake Thor, and Melissa McCarthy will make her MCU debut as the uh, fake Hela. Hell yeah! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also,
0: <laughs> Sam Neill's back. Is yeah. back as fake Odin, and also we have a first look at Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, who is wearing a great suit, a great suit there, because uh, she's like the character from Men in Black, <laughs> but she's the, the queen of New Asgard there. And also we have her first stunning look with Natalie Portman performing an airborne scene, because she's up in the air and she's like lightly transforming into her mighty Thor persona. So there's a lot to break in. Also, another one is Thor, uh, is Meek's new woman body, so like a costume or a robotic body. Yeah. Uh, so basically, it's establishing what, what new, new Asgard has been up to ever since the end of Avengers Endgame. And Joe, based on all of these set photos, are you excited for Tor 11 Thunder? I,
2: I am. Uh, I'm really, really curious what direction they're going with this. It could be absolutely bonkers. I feel like Taika Waititi is the kind of guy to say, OK, I already went crazy last time. Let's amp it up a, quite a bit. Uh, the meek in a female body, I think there was, like, artwork a, a while ago that kind of hinted at it potentially being a thing. Yeah, It's still good. a weird, yeah, true, it, it's such a weird concept, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I really hope they go all out with his, like, bug head sticking out of the body just to make it even funnier. <laughs> uh, the biggest surprise to me is Melissa McCarthy, because that's, you know, she, it's not like she's a low-profile actor, you know, just like Matt Damon, Sam Neill, these are well-known actors, and I always wonder, like, would they ever get McCarthy into a MCU film? I doubt it, because she just doesn't seem like the type of actor or actress that would join these projects. And then when I saw her in the Hella costume, I thought, oh, you know, that makes sense. And I cannot <laughs> wait to see the overacting of her as Hella. <laughs> what <laughs> are you the god of again?
0: <laughs> and there's this. Before I move on, to Charles, there's this one in theory that. The Melissa McCarthy that we, we will see in Thor: Love and Thunder is the MCU version of the actress, and she's playing fake Ella.
1: That'd be great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Saw that on Twitter. Not not for me. Saw that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Charles. How about you? You have seen Natalie Portman here doing an airborne scene. Do you think that yeah. it will uh, like closely resemble the comic book storyline that she will have cancer stuff like that? What do you think?
1: I, I don't know. Like it's. I've seen people say, oh shit, this is where she uh, gets the hammer, where she gets um, mm-hmm. the powers. To me, that the shot of her just getting, like, gyra- gyrating on the air, and, like, wind blowing in her hair, it kind of reminded me of um, her scene in the dark world, when she's just, like, floating in the air, and then the ether gets to her. Oh, yeah, It reminded me of that, so I'm not quite sure what's happening here. Um, mm-hmm. You think that if she has cancer, maybe she's undergoing chemotherapy and she's losing all her hair. You think that the wig might fall down when when she gets like you know engulfed in a huge uh, gust of wind. But I don't know what's happening here. But it is pretty cool to see her on set. The Matt Damon stuff is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty funny that they flew Matt Damon to Australia just to film maybe a cameo again. Yeah. I hope that we actually learn more about these these uh, Asgardian S Guardian Theater actors because they seem like a funny funny clue. but i am curious what their if if they have a bigger older apart from the the recreation of Ragnarok
2: wasn't there a theory yeah. that Matt Damon is playing Baldur and that that <laughs> it's just like his hobby or something like that was a huge theory going around really oh wow that'd
1: be that'd be kind of a waste for Baldur as a yeah. <laughs> given how huge he is in in mythology and in the Thor comics but I mean if 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 anyone can make a joke out of it it's definitely Taika
0: mm, yeah and the fact guys the fact that the Asgardian theater survive uh Ragnarok Thanos uh, invasion yeah. of the ship and the <laughs> blip well, wow that's amazing <laughs> imagine that
2: I, I'm wondering if that, you know, the recap is Thor Ragnarok, but will we get the sequence of Loki and Thanos? So now the question to me is, who would be playing fake Thanos? <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: man, that'd be great.
2: It's just like a cheap, put-on, purple chin. <laughs> Imagine a
0: costume, day, Low-budget. Low-budget, Asgardian costume. Whatever the case, guys, Thor Love and Thunder is a, it's going to be a blast. And can't wait to see it when it premieres next year. Hopefully in theaters, not on Disney+. And anyway, uh, let's now move on to another news here. It's, it's for Blade. Because we have casting news here, finally, for Blade. Because uh, the Blade production is now coming together. It's been previously reported. It, it will begin on September of this year, hopefully. And uh, POC Culture has exclusively reported that, that Marvel Studios has put out casting calls for two black female roles for potentially this this film. And first of all, it's named Betsy, and it's described as a 20, 35-year-old black African-American female. And he's said to be an aspiring hero, and the role requires a strong background in comedy. The second one is Lucy, is a 20, 30-year-old African-American and said to be tough and on the run after losing her mother under mysterious circumstances is spending time off the grid. So there's these characters already coming together for Marshal Ali's Blade. Um, Joe, uh, based on this casting, uh, what do you think, what are your thoughts, what are your initial thoughts about this reboot of Blade for the MCU?
2: So the big question is, and and we also kind of got the confirmation that Blade is most likely going to be PG-13 and not R-rated, It's like, which direction are they heading? Will we get the non-stop vampire killer that we know, from, know and love from the comics, or are they going to go a different route? Uh, the casting, um, which we discussed, is kind of... It, it kind of reminds us a lot of the uh, canceled Blade uh, comic line, where you know we were going to be introduced to the daughter back in 2015. So would they introduce? Because that would be a very unique take. Mashallah, Ali is in. in I think he has a daughter himself. If if I'm if I'm not wrong, uh, I can be corrected on that. But mm-hmm. like that is an interesting dynamic because it would humanize him in a really unique way. Because you know the human aspect that he had in the original was the loss of his mentor. Uh, and seeing him kind of do what he does, especially in a world that is filled with superheroes, like how does that work that we have a vampires, we have a vampire hunter, but we literally have like Spider-Man swinging through a city. It's so many questions. And there's, it's the same thing we had with the, the story with the mutants, is how are they going to really introduce these concepts into a world that already kind of has its own rules, Similar to what you know WandaVision did with last episode with the episode last week where oh yeah, Salem Witches, they were real. And it just makes me want a frickin' documentary, mockumentary within the MCU of its history so much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Charles,
0: uh, yeah. are you cons- based on this, you know, Blade is based on the rumblings that Blade will now be like most likely not great at R and, and pg thirteen. Are you concerned about that?
1: Not that much. Um I'm curious how they're going to incorporate the, the blood aspect of being a vampire with a PG-13 setting. But apart from that, it's kind of like... I, the comics have always been PG-13. People are fucking crazy if they think being R-rated makes a comic automatically better. Obviously, there have been Marvel comics uh, that, ha- that had an R rating with Marvel Max, but it's only like a handful of them. And I think Blade is one of those characters that can totally exist. With the PG thirteen setting, um, and the fact that we might get a a daughter character here makes even more sense to for them to go PG thirteen. Maybe they want this daughter character to be uh, like like maybe um somewhat of a role model for 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 a new generation of audiences. So it makes sense. It's not that much of a big deal for me that it's not R rated anymore.
0: Yeah, it's a big deal on Twitter though. So
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Deadpool won't work if everyone else is PG-13.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it's miles away. So we're going to learn more about Blade in the coming months, hopefully. And uh, it's going to be interesting to find out how it it pans out. Anyway, let's move on to another MCU project in the form of Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings. Several weeks ago, a new Lego set was leaked for this movie. It shows up various characters. And most importantly, the box features the first look at the titular hero's costume. It's, it's red, like it's... Uh, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not aware of the comic accurate costume of Shang-Chi, but it looks great. And there's, there's a freaking dragon in Shang-Chi yep. in The Legend of <laughs> Ten Rings, and wow, it's gonna be like an explosive film. And Joe, based on this, uh, based on this leak, and we don't have this, I, I think this is legit. Uh, what do you think about Similu's Shang-Chi costume based on this leak?
2: Uh, it makes me want a frickin' trailer even more. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it looks great. Uh, it certainly, I think a lot of people kind of expected like that, either a tracksuit direction or the dragon scale armlet, like arm, armless design that has been, I think, in in the latest incarnation of the character. I, I kind of love the design. I love the approach here. It seems very traditional, uh, so steeped in the mythology of what Shang-Chi is going to pr- uh, really utilize as, as its backdrop. Uh, I, I love it. I, I cannot wait to see it in action. And it's, uh, Shang-Chi has been, it's amazing how little we know about this project. And it technically isn't that far away anymore. Okay, everything else was as well last year, but, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> but uh, it, I'm really excited, especially with, like, a freaking dragon on the box. It's like, how, how will this look? How will this feel? I'm just hoping for a really fun MCU kung fu action film that pays tribute to, like, Jackie Chan and, and that generation of films.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's all, it also featured another character, Mandarin's there, and mm-hmm. also Death Dealer. Like, hmm. Most we recently seen in a creep set photo from last year That's, That's such name. a
2: cheesy name
0: though Death dealer, yeah. ideally yeah, death I'm the death <laughs> dealer Shang-Chi Come on, fight me <laughs> <laughs> Charles, what do you think about this um, Shang-Chi being an extravagant film Filled with dragons, martial arts And the Mandarin
1: The dragon looks pretty sick I mean, even though we've sort of known That there's going to be like some sort of monster here it is kinda of cool that they're staying true to what the Chinese dragon look like.
0: Mm,
1: yeah. Um and that it's not like Fin Fang Fu like a like a chubby chubby green dragon with a with wings or something. I like that it looks it resembles um a Metro Chinese dragon. Uh I, I think that's pretty cool. The costume looks great. It, it it looks a bit different from the from the red uh I guess tracksuit Shang Chi has in the comics. But I think it's a good um uh, interpretation and live action. Apart from that, though, I, I do wonder if this if this specific Lego Lego set is like um, is it like an actual scene here? Because Lego sets have been notorious for mm. for just making up shit it, it, over the past decade or so with with the Marvel yeah, stuff. So yeah. I, I'm curious if this is one of the the sequence where they just totally made up for for the toy.
2: I miss the uh, Mandarin in his little killer wagon with the gun on the back. <laughs> oh, God.
0: I, I, I recall the Lego leak for Avengers Endgame where, uh, you know, there's a bunch of Iron Man suits like in Avengers facility. True, yeah. And really? Didn't, yeah, and it didn't show up. <laughs> it was so much hype.
1: I miss that one, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a leak back, way back, 2018, 19, 19 2018, 2018, a year before Endgame. So there's that, and lastly, but certainly not the least, because we now know the the title for Spider-Man three, yay!
2: <laughs>
0: After several theses and bluffs and trolls from <laughs> Peter, from Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Jacob Batalon a day before that, before that reveal, it's now been confirmed that the title of a third Spider-Man film is Spider-Man No Way Home. Wow, like uh, <laughs> it's like. And it was It was, a lo- it was uh, announced alongside a short video with you know with the, the trio that I mentioned earlier, uh, as they revealed it through su- subtly revealed it to a background stuff like that. And uh, Charles, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Of course, your thoughts.
1: Uh it's, uh, it's it's an okay title. Um, certainly not the title I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But then again, it it's a title that that maybe lends itself to the themes of you know Peter. Now that Peter has been outed as Spider-Man, his sense of comfort is no longer there. His idea of home isn't going to be the same anymore. Uh, Maybe he literally gets stranded in the multiverse at some point in this movie where he can't actually go home. Who knows? But it's a very fitting title for the themes of the movie.
0: Yeah. Because No Way Home, His Identity being outed, Connect the Dots,
1: Boom. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: It's going to be, and it's amazing. The promotion is amazing because when you see that whiteboard there, the the theories from fans are actually some of the some of it are there. Like uh, yeah. home worlds, home run, home home, home alone, not home alone, homesick. There's also home sweet home. I can see it. Yeah.
2: I think home alone's on there with uh, trademark yeah. issues as a comment. Yeah. Copy, copyright copyright issues. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, how
0: about you? Uh, I'm I'm going to ask you. Uh, about uh, how did you like the, the way of the title reveal for this film?
2: Uh, as, as an advertising guy, yeah, I love it. It was a very smart idea. Uh, very simple, actually. Like, considering it was the first... Like, everyone was focused on the titles that no one realized we got our technically first look at the film with the images. Everyone was like, oh, my God, is this the title? And everyone's like, eh, that sounds kind of bad or off. And it, it was just a very good ploy... I like that they didn't reveal the official title until the day after, like, the let people stew on it. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think Homebreaker would have been hilarious because that would be the subtitle for uh, <laughs> Aunt May's storyline or love story with Happy.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah. It's,
2: it, it's a great idea. I think it's, it's one of Sony... Like, Sony, in my opinion, is not really the best when it comes to marketing. They either send out way too many trailers to really bank on everything. And I know whatever secrets they're trying to keep, they're going to spoil quite a bit because that's just what they do. They want to sell you on, Oh my God, this twist is in here for me. Transform, um, Terminator, uh, dark Genesis will always be the one where they like ruined the big twist in the story. Mm. Uh, but this was a great move. Uh, I, I think, I hope we see a lot more teases. I, I'm really curious why we got the title for Spider-Man, this early while they're postponing every other release they have that's r- rather curious in my opinion Um, especially now that we're still waiting for any life or confirmation for Black Widow it's it's an interesting idea and it's going to be a very interesting year how they market films in general so this this was a great kind of easy cheap way to say hey you wanted that title here it is yeah yeah and you know, so some of them are even expecting
0: like a short teaser. Like, dude, they're Mm-mm. they're still filming, so they can't show anything yet. <laughs> so it's amazing. Spider Man No Way Home. Uh hopefully this year. Hopefully, hopefully is the term because we don't know given the vaccine rollout and the pandemic stuff. We don't know yeah. how it will how it will pan out in the next coming months. Because at this point we still we're still not sure if Black Widow will, will stick in the May release date, or Disney Plus release mm-hmm. on the horizon. But whatever the case, it's good that we have a title. And filming is still underway. I hope they finish soon, or I don't know when. But, but the good thing is, uh, the theories about the title will now be finished. <laughs> and it's been confirmed already. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait for to find out if it's, if it's really a multiverse thing. Or, I don't know. And fans will be disappointed if it's not. I don't know. Anyway, let's now move on to the big stuff. To the big reveal. To the big MCU project, which is WandaVision. Yay! WandaVision WandaVision finale. After nine episodes, WandaVision has finally reached its end. After a slew of fan theories, mysteries, intrigue, Twitter debates, it finally ended. (laughs) Yay. And it set up a lot. And there was a lot of reveals. It lived up to the promise of, you know... Delivering MCU filled action, the spectacle that we've been waiting after a, after a sitcom based approach in the first three, three episodes, five episodes. <laughs> and there's a lot to break down, but I'm just, I just want to find out because this is the, when you go on Twitter, there's a lot of reactions. I just want to find out this one question, just to answer this one question Were you satisfied, whelmed, or underwhelmed? Joe, you first.
2: Uh, I was very satisfied. Um, I think that the core of the story was extremely well done. They got through, they focused on what they wanted to focus on. My only gripes is that a lot of the fluff surrounding it kind of wasn't fleshed out enough, in my opinion, or at least not everything got a payoff that would make it stand out more. But in generally, I think it was a, a great... New project for Marvel Studios. I really hope we see more creative things like this in the future and that they use the format to do just something new and different uh and not trying to bog down once again, especially with current reactions to things.
0: Yeah, you know, and the main aim of the show is the main focus of the show is Wanda's evolution, Wanda's growth, Wanda's yeah. grief and trauma. And the show delivered, delivered on that. And um, I might say before I go to Charles, I might say that I'm I'm satisfied, uh, because the truth is the issue is with the fan theories. Like it's been hyped up in the past weeks, and the director even admitted that a uh, director Matt Chapman Shack- said that you know uh, fans will be disappointed because their expectations will not be met with those fan theories, those cameos that been teased in the past week weeks. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm satisfied. Charles, how about you?
1: I'm satisfied too. It's not um. It's not the train wreck that some fans are making out making out to be mm. just because their theories uh, didn't come true. I have gripes with some of the choices they made as far as resolving the the actual story, but overall, it's kind of get it's kind of hard to get mad when you got such a great ending for the family when when they're all in the house. Vision's goodbye to Wanda is like so good. It's so it's so heartwarming. Mm. It's so heartfelt. Yeah, overall, it's 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 a it's a great episode with some um. With some uh, weaknesses, but again, it's it's far from the train wreck the fans are making it out to be.
0: Yeah, and uh, gonna do our te- theories later. But my my question is, what is your favorite WandaVision moment from episode nine, from the finale? Uh, I'm gonna start for you guys. Uh, my favorite my favorite my favorite part of the finale is, is the ending. Like um, the the conversation between Wanda and Vision is so powerful in the end. Like, it's yeah. so emotional. I shed a tear, honestly. Mm. Like, oh man, like, the lines, the delivery, the, the performance of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany is stunning. And they captured it. They captured the dynamic. And they've been working together in the past few years. And they, in that, in that scene alone, you can tell that, you know, they have an easy chemistry. Uh, Charles, how about you? What is your favorite moment in the finale?
1: Probably that, too. It's hard to beat. It's so good. It's so well-written. It's so well-made. Seeing Wanda's face as she's saying goodnight to her kids, it's kind of like, oh man, she's gonna, she's gonna fucking kill them. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like meat. it's like it's it's heavy, it's bittersweet. She's kind of you, you could see in Liz Olsen's acting that Wanda is content that she got to experience this life. She's also super sad that she has to say goodbye to it, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's just so good. I have no complaints about that scene.
2: Yeah, Joe, favorite moment. And the finale. Uh I don't want to repeat anything, so I'll go to another favorite <laughs> moment. This is this is a funny one for me. Um, I don't know why, but the way the dark hold is summoned by Agatha and the way she opens it and like getting a look inside of it. We've seen the dark hold before in Agents of Shield. There yeah. it was like a bit of a magical book. It felt kind of like something's ripped out of Page Master or something. This book felt like some Eldritch horror left behind. Something that you think you can't read, but it'll just seep into your mind. And the com- combination with the post-credit sequence just made that uh, a really memorable moment for me. Plus, the introduction of our first major magical item that has left the library from Doctor Strange.
0: Yeah, and uh, it will. Probably change the landscape of the MCU because that's a powerful book, the
2: Book of the Damned.
0: Wow, that's a which created
2: vampires. Hmm, hmm.
0: another Thank connection to another interesting project called Blade. <laughs> and uh, this this finale set up a lot, but it also resolved the one thing you know. It resolved uh, Wanda's transformation as a Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Finally, she's, she's a Scarlet Witch. She has a great suit, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great costume. And um, let's go here to the the one division. Now has set up several projects. Captain Marvel two, of course, in that post credit scene. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, probably Anton and the Wasp because of who's. I don't know if he will show up there. <laughs> but anyway, White Vision. Uh, what do you think about the introduction of the White Vision, and what are your theories about? Where he, he will pop up next, because it was an open-ended, open-ended question. After because he just flew away, who knows? What is the most likely project? You do you think that Vision will show up, Charles?
1: You I don't first. know. It's, that whole like the way they sort of wrapped up that uh, that that aspect of the fight was great philosophically. That whole debate about the ship of Theseus was great, but as far as you know, Vision just flying out of the sky without even. Seeing Wanda, I mean, if he's the vision that we already know, he has the memories of, you know, his past life before he got killed by Thanos, do you think that the first thing he would do was to visit Wanda? Yeah. To help Wanda, give her a hug, give her a kiss, to make sure, to to let her know that, hey, I'm back, right? I feel like if he had done that, the show would have ended very, very differently in a very interesting way. But they didn't. So I'm not sure exactly what they want to do. If I had to guess, if they're doing like maybe a Young Avengers story, I know um in the comics, the Young Avengers met a version of Vision that was younger, but not necessarily the same, but, but who helped form the team. Maybe they could do that. Um, Maybe Armor Wars, because he's technically still connected to Iron Man, but who knows at this point?
0: Yeah, it's pretty hard to tell based on that interaction alone. And... And there's a lot of questions. Like, it's one of the biggest unanswered questions from the finale, at least. Like, that White Vision
2: wrap-up. Joe, how about you? Yeah, my my. if I had to put my money on it, I think Armor Wars seems like the biggest bet, because that focus will just help. The thing is, with the sequence, is that the, the Ship of Theses is, is a fascinating dilemma, and they've really used that effectively, because this is Vision. You know, Vision... They fight, but in reality, Vision loves to just kind of end things. It like, it, it uses the trope of he's technically a machine, so you use a paradox to kind of screw with the machine's mind. Yeah. I the the, the theory I have, because this is very much Vision Quest storyline setup. Um, I would love to have a separate like mini series, even if it's just like four episodes long, of this Vision kind of exploring the world. Uh, so, like, give us an actual Vision Quest comic that's, like, a sequel to this. Because, I, I mean, they call it the series finale, so I guess we're not getting a second season of WandaVision. Yeah. Though I personally believe that a lot of its problems could be solved with a sequel season, as dumb as it sounds. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it, yeah he kind of just yeets out of there. He's just like, I envision, yoink! Not going to talk to anyone, not going to discuss anything, I'm just Vision. I wonder if they're trying to impl- imply that even though he has his memories, he doesn't have the emotions because he doesn't have the mind stone within him. So that's kind of why like the the emotional aspect of him, where we even see him shed a tear, which is a great comic callback is this Mind Stone version. He is literally the mind of the version that she remembers, which is also why he was so overly emotional throughout the last, uh, in early in the beginning of the episodes. So this version is like, a, uh, he's emotionless, but he has the memory. So he's trying to like figure out what am I? What When am I to these people? Where do I belong in the world? And I think that would be an interesting story on its own to explore. But at the same time, it probably is just going to be an appearance in uh armor wars maybe even secret invasion like he just randomly shows up and everyone thinks he's dead now there's this white version of him who are you we don't trust you it's a scroll
1: uh, yeah
2: yeah
0: <laughs> can't wait to find that out and uh, there's a lot of fun and sort of plot threads and another one another interesting here i just want to know your action like it's not a period I just want to know your reaction to ralph boner <laughs> 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 everyone uh, is hyping that up like Fox, Quicksilver, stuff like that. Mephisto, even Nicholas Scratch. In the past, there are so many theories, and it ended up being Ralph Bonner. <laughs> Charles, your reaction.
1: I mean, I, I've, I've been aware of this since, maybe the second episode. Yeah. Um, me and Charles Murphy heard about it. We were like, "That's pretty fucking funny." Like when he <laughs> told me who it was, I was like, "Who's that?" Then Charles was like, "Oh." this is a it's a it's a guy Agnes keeps referring to as her husband I'm like, whoa, that's pretty wild so i I got to process it a lot earlier than everyone else but in the in the grand scheme of things like Marvel can't do this shit it's not like they're not allowed to pull kind to pull these crazy um subversions off they're allowed to do it they've they've garnered enough goodwill to pull shit like this and at the end of the day, I understand that the premise of getting Evan Peters to play this sort of fake brother is like one of the most genius things ever. Like, Mm -hmm. imagine them being in the writing room. They're talking about what to do with Wanda. What can Agnes do to Wanda to sort of mess with her mind? I imagine the, the light bulb movement they came up with when they sort of said, when they maybe said, hey, what if we get Evan Peters to play her brother? I think that would just fucking. I think Kevin Feige would have would have fucking fell from his chair because of how good of an idea that was. And I think that's it. Um, the anger is somewhat valid, I guess. I can't. I I can never. I can never dictate how people should respond to things. I think when you see that, it's only normal to sort of think, oh, maybe it's a multiverse thing, but it's totally not beyond the realm of fucking uh, reasonable stuff for Marvel to 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 do this. It's, it's totally valid
0: yeah it's it's a brilliant move like it managed to hype up future episode one division after that episode because oh no multiverse quicksilver and then wow boner
2: (laughs) joe how about you um so i i personally do say to some degree like people are really mad about the boner joke and they're going off on it like Every twist or turn is now going to be some kind of um, dick joke. At the at the long term, it isn't the first time Marvel Studios pulled this. We've seen this with Iron Man three with the Mandarin, and even back then, people like there was a subset of people that thought this was genius, and there was a subset of people that thought this was hilar- was bullshit. And we're seeing the same thing now, and to some degree. This will be controversial, but I think to some degree, if you didn't piss people off with it, you didn't really do anything right with this twist. Right. Because it is that kind of twist to kind of get under people's skin. Like, who else could they cat? Let, let's be serious. If they couldn't get Aaron Taylor-Johnson to reprise his role, though they imply that necromancy is a thing within this world and that she couldn't do it because he, his body was too far away— if they got any other actor to be this fake Quicksilver, would have anyone bought it?
1: No. Yeah.
2: No one would have. So yeah. it is, and I think the problem is, is that a lot of people, we've been starved for Marvel content for over a year. This is the first big project. They just purchased the Fox rights. We had no idea about an X-Men film coming or not. We knew Fantastic Four was on the horizon. And of course, Wanda, this is the drawback of a character like Wanda Maximoff, In the comics, she's the daughter of of Magneto, which was changed like three or four times, but that's the one thing everyone remembers. She was connected to Mephisto. She was connected to C'thon. She was connected to the House of M storyline. She got rid of mutants. She brought them back. So everyone kind of assumed this story had to do all of that because that's what Wanda is to those that have read the comics. And I'll say that the subset in the inter- – like, online I, – I I do understand that people are upset. My problem with the reveal, I think the Boner aspect is fine because I think it's a, also a play on a character named Boner from an old sitcom. So it's a sitcom reference, actually. I think Richard Boner. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I think Good Days or something. But – First of all, it fits the character that, like, he she just was, like, boner, and he the, he was still in that, like, 80s, 90s cliche of bro with his little hands the uh, boner. So he was in character. So the dick joke was fitting for the sequence, and it's just that it wasn't more that kind of tipped people off. I personally still think that there's a sequence missing with that character because he just never showed up again. That was, like, kind of the end of evan peters and who's not a small time actor so it's just kind of this odd open-ended book that just ended on a dick joke and wasn't continued if they added some kind of reveal it didn't have to be quicksilver from fox but some kind of connection to what he has and maybe a hint that there's more of this actor moving forward i think we would see very different reactions and that's kind of where i stand especially with the so especially the moment she pulled out this really old-looking um, picture with his face on it, with his name on it, it kind of made me think, is he an aspiring actor or something? Because, you know, why do you need to look at your own face? Even it, Because I think he might be the guy in Witness Protection Program that was hinted at early in yeah. the season. Which, that, that's kind of my biggest problem with WandaVision. They set up some things and never really pay it off. Also because interviews kind of hype up smaller things that shouldn't have been hyped up as much because you know what are the actors going to say oh it's a nobody <laughs> yeah but, part of the job and, and that's kind of the, yeah it's part of the job the problem is, is that we're so tra- we have so much transparency is that we kind of hear everything i think a normal person who has nothing to do with the internet thought it was hilarious and moved on with their life the- to to be honest
1: <laughs> speaking, speaking of the missing persons Ralph is absolutely the missing person's case. Yeah.
2: They filmed some stuff with,
1: um, with uh, Jimmy Boo, I, I, I think, catching him or some shit. But it's weird that they didn't address that. Yeah. I mean, they, had every yeah. oppor- oh, they had every opportunity to address that. But yeah, as far as I know, uh, Ralph was the um, missing person
2: my my thought is, is that I think it would be fantastic if the reveal is he's uh, Simon Williams. You have the shot. He seems like the most likely candidate because he's kind of holed up in that man cave. And it would be a great way to introduce him. I just think we want more Evan Peters in the future, and I really hope that they... I, I would love a little, like, one shot of that sequence being released to give us closure on that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, didn't resolve it properly. <laughs>
0: didn't get resolved properly. And, um... Wow, the and Woo uh, files. <laughs> yeah, the Woo files, the X files thing. And uh, there's only one scene. One scene of Captain Starcy there. Ugh.
2: <laughs> Just that. yeah, she was really underutilized at the end.
0: Yeah, after she she had great character. She had great performances in the past episodes. Oh, yeah. Too bad it's only, it's only one scene. Before we move on to the Scarlet Witch reveal, I mean the Scarlet Witch revealed how it changed the landscape of the MCU. Let's go over to that mid-credit scene where it's yeah. set up. Where it sets up maybe Secret Invasion and Captain Marvel too, because you know the Skrulls uh, telling Monica that uh, he she wants uh, Nick Fury needs her for a mission or something up up above. Okay, so that's um, do you think that the sword uh, sword is under Nick Fury now because of that scene, or do you think uh, a more a more the real sword is up above, or do you think that? both are connected it's really confusing at this point joe how about you
2: uh i think sword's going to continue i don't think they introduced this organization to just kind of get rid of it especially because shield isn't around anymore yeah. um i think it's a setup that sword is going to realign to its original plans L- let's be honest if there's one weak point of this story it is hayward of all oh, characters yeah. because yeah i i I think like to some degree I've seen people actually like his character because he was the only one to say she's mind controlling people. We need to get rid of her, which I can kind of understand. I just think that he, if they didn't turn him into like this massive prick for no reason, that storyline would have been better, but he just turned into this. Oh, she's evil because she has abilities could have been handled better. Um, I hope that the character returns to have some kind of redeeming factor I think he would have been the perfect candidate for some kind of reveal. Like, why was he egging on Wanda to resurrect Vision? It, yeah. It, there, there's a lot of... Like, that's the kind of thing where I say that's where WandaVision tries to... They set up too many red herrings. Then they kind of wrote themselves in a corner accidentally with trying to be very... Not too surprising. Which the I think the director, Matt Shackman, said that he doesn't like final twist. So that's probably the only reason we didn't get one is because he just doesn't like that storyline. Um but I think Sword will continue. I will say though her pointing to the sky was really cheesy. <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> she's a scroll. We all can assume what she's hinting at. <laughs> maybe
1: <laughs> maybe she meant the the roof or the attic.
2: Yeah. That would be hilarious. maybe I see now. I just want <laughs> some kind of resolution to that stupid story. <laughs> oh man,
0: Charles, what do you think about Monica Rambo's uh, powers here? Like, like uh, the full-blown introduction as photon or spectrum? I'm
1: also, I'm, I'm also mixed on that because, for, for for the first twenty minutes of the episode, she's just in the room with Ralph. <laughs> Boner. She's fucking it. Just fucking li- sitting down, listening him li- listening to him play guitar, and that's it. It's like you just got your fucking powers. Do you want to escape? And when she tries to escape, obviously she gets sort of uh, schooled by, by, by Ralph. But even then, it's kind of like, god damn, it's like you're a fucking trained agent. You got some sort of power with you, even even if you don't know how to use it. Your your mom's best friend is Captain Marvel. You're friends with Skrulls. This world of superpowers isn't alien to you, pun intended. You're supposed to sort of understand that. Oh shit, I might be able to just fucking take this guy out easier than it should have take, It should have taken me. So I'm kind of mixed on how she actually gets to debut her power, her powers, and her her life as a powered being. I mean that that scene where she she sort of uh, stops the bullets is great. But come on, you, you you got a fucking vision there, uh, white vision, fighting vision, Agatha's fucking fighting everyone. You couldn't have fucking jumped in and helped. It feels like a very um, I guess unimaginative way to debut Monica as a superpowered being.
0: Yeah, I think they're saving it for the big screen.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
2: Yeah. yeah. She was more yeah. the emotional anchor for the I also lost someone and the problem is the, like the big thing with WandaVision in my opinion that it kind of falters on is they had such a big cast of characters that a lot of them kind of felt completely underused. Like we get introduced in episode two to like the entire townspeople and then Emma Colefield's character Dottie who never shows up until like one sequence in episode eight and then like a bigger sequence in episode nine. The like Mr. Hart never shows up again, so that started the whole he's dead theories. They, I think the problem this show had is that they had a lot of characters, a lot of storylines they wanted to go through, but they didn't quite find the perfect balance to give the supporting cast the focus they deserved. And kind of just, you know, that's why I say the core of the show worked, the other things just aren't as fleshed out as they could be.
0: You nailed that, that's
2: a great description, <laughs> yeah.
0: And, um, I agree. <laughs> Let's now move on to, you know, the Scarlet Witch, the core of the show, like, like, like what Joe is saying. Mm-hmm. So she is properly the Scarlet Witch now from the comics, chaos, magic and all. And Agatha said that he un- she unle- unleashed something or someone. <laughs> that would directly tie to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You know, he has a dark, she has a dark cold. She's somewhere in the mountains practicing, mastering her powers, mastering her chaos magic. And um, it will be interesting to find out because it's, it's, been, it's been confirmed that Vision will lead directly to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And uh, what are your theories about that? Like, because she heard the twins. Do you think that the mission will be finding, finding where the twins are in the Multiverse of Madness? Or do you think that her training with the Darkhold is what the, uh, creates a rift within that multiverse aspect charles
1: oh well, i think it's definitely the dark old stuff yeah it's, yeah it's pretty clear that that's where her sights are and now i'm sure she wants to learn how to sort of do what she did but safer and obviously you know as the saying goes uh, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and maybe she that's how yep. she opens up the the multiverse i could totally see that happening
0: yeah going to be crazy mm-hmm. and uh dr strange
2: will not like that mm. joe um so the thing is to me is what i find interesting about the scarlet witch is that they introduced the scarlet witch as like this kind of one in a lifetime creation that comes into existence and has all the powers to control whatever and I kind of wish the show delved more into that, especially because we saw the witch in the Salem trial with like the crown, the mother of Agatha, that was never really elaborated on. I find the concept extremely interesting, and I really hope that they don't shy away from kind of embracing some eldritch horror elements with this character. Because obviously, whatever the Scarlet Witch is, it's connected to something... Evil or something bad, and I kind of am curious if we're going to go down the route that she is either separated from the Scarlet Witch, like the a Phoenix Force esque storyline, or that she kind of has to try. Because the thing is, is that I wrote this today earlier today. Is that like the the ending proves she's not completely over her grief. If yeah. she was, she would have stayed in that town and made up for what she did. And I think. While a lot of people said she didn't deserve, like, flying off for freedom, I think it kind of just highlights the fact that she didn't really get over it. She just kind of resented herself for doing what she did and trying to fix it or try and still selfishly trying to make it happen. The moment she hurt her kids again, you know, that's the path she's on. But I want, like, either that character is related to Kathan who created the Darkhold, which would be a really interesting, like... Set up that C'thon and the Scarlet Witch was like his messenger. And she she was always destined for this kind of fate. And that her good intentions is how it creates the multiverse. Because she's looking for her kids. She heard their voice. If they can't exist within her reality, she has to get them from a different reality. And I think that's kind of the setup there. And how she ends up looking for them. And that's why Doctor Strange gets involved. Uh, I love that the ending sequence, uh, it does remind me a lot of Wondagore which would be a really cool callback if they call if they continue on that aspect. Yeah. And, uh, finally the, the big thing is, is like a lot of people are wondering why didn't Dr. Strange show up until now? Uh, I think that's going to get explained. Uh, I think there's a reason he wasn't, you know, around for this. And I wonder if like, this was just like, this would be the catalyst that he shows up, Mm. uh, really curious which direction they go. And that this is, I really hope they, they don't, like, lean too far out and try to say, okay, we have to keep this as simple as possible. Give me Eldritch Horror. I want C'Thun or Cthulhu or whatever to show up because that would be amazing. Shumagoroth. Give us Shumagoroth in Doctor Strange too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it will be interesting to find out what Doctor Strange's
0: reasons are for not showing up in Westview. Because he might be preoccupied with someone, something else, something big, or I don't know.
2: He was buying Wong a sandwich again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: And, uh, wow. It, uh, so, so that wraps it up for you know, the first MCU Disney Plus show. And, uh, the long-form storytelling work in some ways because it kept the conversation going in the past few weeks. Yeah. A lot of conversation on Twitter, if uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. And, uh, <laughs> And um, they went one step further, like showing, showcasing all this, uh, all the risks that they took here. Sitcoms, sitcom tropes, everything, big, massive cast, setting up things, and uh, setting up future projects. And the good thing is, we're only two weeks away from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and just like one division, expect numerous speculations, theories. Of course, no, 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 the theories this time because it's Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, or is it? Or is it? I don't know. And, um, okay, guys. WandaVision, as a whole, what's your rating? 1 to 10. Uh, Joe, you first.
2: Um, I'm going to give it an 8.5 to 9. Uh, I still think it's a, a wonderfully done show. It's Marvel Studios doing something new and inventive that I think should deserve more attention, that they tried something new um i respect them for sticking to their guns they could have easily be like all right people are gonna get mad um they did what they believed was the right story they went with it i think the supporting cast needed either trimming down or just more attention like this this show really needed at least a 10th episode or at least some kind of build up as a seasonal format to kind of build up on what was left on um especially because i think To some degree, the pandemic hit it hard. You kind of get the feeling like this was supposed to be right before Doctor Strange 2, which -hmm. was going to be before Spider-Man 3. A lot happened, a lot changed, but I think we need to really praise what it does strong, and that is the core emotional aspect of this story. It's something new, and I think, hey, they're doing something new, and I, I can't wait to see what else they have up their sleeves, and I really hope we get more creative formats in the future.
0: Yeah. Uh before we go to Charles, mine is also an 8.5 over 10 because it's uh, it's a bold dress for Marvel Studios to do sitcoms <laughs> in in a superhero movie uh universe, and it's amazing. From from the moment I watched WandaVision episode one, the first episode, like I was wow, this is uh, like like Joe said, this is new, this is something unique and uh, <laughs> and I, I can't wait. And the the mysteries. The theories, it's all there. It's part it's part of the fun, right? The theories are part of the fun. And um uh I love how uh, how Wanda was developed through through the nine episodes because we see her transformation and um I, and it was already teased that there's a lot more story to tell in Doctor Strange two Doctor Strange two, and it'll be interesting to find that out. But overall it's an eight point five over ten for me because just like, just, like, uh, just like everyone said it's, it's a bold risk And it's an amazing project like, It's one of a kind And you know, it's, it veered away from the traditional MCU approach From the first few episodes And then it, it, it lived up to the promise Of delivering that uh, dramatic confrontations The spectacle and stuff like that uh, Yeah, 8.5 over 10 Charles, 1 to 10 What is your one division score?
1: For this episode, I'm going to give it a 7 For the season, I'll probably give it a Eight or nine. I okay. think. Every, all, all the stuff you said, I completely agree with. I think the show is a testament to Feige's uh, macro vision of how the MCU should be. We've always been sort of, you know, when they were doing movies, we were always like, oh, I I wonder if they can even do what Jeff, Jeff Loeb's doing on TV. And, you know, this kind of proves that, oh, yeah, they can actually do it. They can do it just as good, if not better. And... I'm excited for the future of Marvel. Uh, if it's gonna be on the Z plus. I feel like the mm-hmm. Z plus is like the future for the MCU and I can't I can't wait for Falcon which is like in two weeks.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. March nineteenth.
2: Crazy.
0: Yeah. And the uh, long form storytelling works and the fact that we're getting MCU content weekly is a new thing. And it's also an impressive thing for Marvel Studios to do. Can't wait to find out how all the other shows you know, we'll also connect to one another. We'll also connect to the, the, the big screen stuff, the movies. Uh, it's going to be interesting to find out. And we also have a Making of Division episode, Marvel series Assembled, Making of WandaVision, coming this March 12th. Yay. I'm going to find out all Ooh. of it. And I hope they will address the, you know, oh, the, what the, what, the fan theories and stuff there. You know, oh, yeah, there I are hope yeah. I, I can't wait to find that out imagine them addressing that and then
2: (laughs) i i want to now i just want to show with this nothing more on disney plus with kevin feige in a room going through fan theories and just getting frustrated with each one he reads yeah (laughs) like the mean like the mean tweets version like that
1: (laughs) oh yeah
0: anyway for our listeners over at spotify youtube anchor google podcast and over followers on twitter what do you think about One Division's finale episode and One Division as a whole? Tweet us over at twitter.com slash mcexchange You can also follow us on Twitter on that same Twitter account You can also uh, like us on YouTube and and also on Spotify that's MC Exchange podcast. and you can also follow me on Twitter twitter.com slash aaronchino No, You can also follow Charles on Twitter
1: You can follow me on Twitter at cfs
0: You can also follow Joe on Twitter I'm
2: at that t-h-a-t-a-b RL
0: Yay and that's about wraps it up for another episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. We got more MCU content coming in in the coming weeks and can't wait. Bye guys. Bye. Till next time.